Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG Voices. This podcast series addresses the opportunities and challenges within ESG through interviews with ESG specialists from KPMG and beyond. Throughout this series, we will discuss a broad range of environmental, social and governance issues, aiming to support governments, businesses and communities in creating an equitable and prosperous future. In almost every part of our lives, we interact with the natural environment. Human pressures on nature have increased substantially over time, with land use change, climate change and pollution all contributing to unprecedented nature loss. Halting and reversing this loss is a significant challenge, bringing with it risks to corporate and financial stability, but also opportunities. It is clear that the time to recognise the value of nature is now and that businesses have a critical role to play in leading the way towards a future where nature can thrive. For today's episode, I am joined by Stéphane Baudet, Director, ESG Centre of Excellence, KPMG in France, Fiorella Sanchez, Biodiversity Lead, KPMG in Belgium, and Carolyn Leisha, Natural Capital and Biodiversity National Lead, KPMG Australia who will be discussing the science-based targets for nature and what they mean for businesses on their journey towards nature-positive solutions. Let's start by setting the scene on the Science-Based Targets Network. Fiorella, can you provide us with an overview? Yes, sure. So the Science-Based Target Network is a collaboration of global non-profit organisations that are working together to equip companies, but also cities with a comprehensive framework to set science-based targets for nature. And we talk about nature in the broader sense, meaning not only biodiversity, but also fresh water, land, ocean, climate, and of course, biodiversity. So this is a network that is talking about the SBTIs, the, that is a, a common framework at the moment in terms of climate, but is encompassing that uh, science-based target point into a broader framework, which is that science-based targets for nature. There is uh, two main points that, uh, the, um, that the network is aiming for. The first is to, as I just said, to create measurable, actionable and time-bound objectives informed by the best available data. And the second is to maximize synergies and minimize trade-offs with other market initiatives such as the TNFD and regulations like the CSRD or reporting requirements, GRI, for example, that I think we're going to cover later on in the in the process. But just to give a nutshell on the on the framework, the overview, it's composed of five steps, starting with the first one that is assess, which is the method of identifying the materialities of geographies and activities that are creating a pressure on nature, uh, the sector level or the company level. Then the second one is I interpret and prioritize. At this step is where we are defining which areas of the company in terms of the entire value chain and which geographies have to be uh, addressed with the uh, targets and defining what target and boundaries would look like. The third step is to measure, set and disclose. So this is a very critical point, of course, where each of the different points of this framework, so freshwater, biodiversity, ocean, uh, climate, uh, we'll have to define uh, science-based targets. Then we have to act, which is the step four, 
which is the guidelines on how to avoid, reduce, restore, and regenerate, and ultimately to transform from negative impacts to a positive impact on nature. And the last point is to track, of course, the, the step of ongoing monitoring and reporting on organizations' impacts on nature. Great. Thank you for setting the scene, Fiorella. Stefan, the Science-Based Targets Network launched the first Science-Based Targets for Nature framework on May the 24th. Can you share details on what exactly has been released? What we have to keep in mind is that this science-based target release is first release and it will be followed by other release that will complete uh, what has been released in May. The first release is addressing the three first steps of the process that uh, Fehala uh, has described, the step of assessment that is fully covered, the step of interpretation, prioritization that is fully covered too, and some resources about the step three of measurement, setting and disclosing targets, but not uh, a comprehensive set of, uh, of guidance. So for the first step, we have an overview that is introducing the, the step of assessment, some technical guidance that are working the, the reader through the different sub-steps of, uh, of step one. We have also uh, so some toolbox that is uh, describing and uh, pointing out some uh, free-to-use tools that companies can use uh, to collect data for this assessment step, a tool for materiality screening that will help the, the companies in screening their materiality of direct operation and also uh, value chain. And finally, a high impact commodity list. So this is the bundle for the, the first step of assessment. For the second step, there is this overview and a technical guidance. There is, uh, for the third step, what is covered in a, a first a full uh, version is the freshwater technical guidance, and there is also a better version of the land tech with technical guidance, with also some frequently asked questions for both freshwater and uh, land and uh, the target validation process. So what we have to keep in mind is that for this, this first release of the, the science-based uh, targets network guidance, the, the companies are required to address both their direct operations and also part of their upstream uh, value chain. So uh, the upstream value chain they need uh, to address is the purchased goods and, uh, and services and the activities that are involving material or resource extraction and uh, manufacturing and processing of the, uh, the purchases. Uh, but for example, it is not required to address the, the waste generated in operations, the transportation and, and distribution, uh, the employee commuting, etc. So the scope that need be covered is less extensive than, uh, for example, a carbon footprint assessment. So speaking about pressures, there are 
also some limitations of the scope. First, for the ecosystem use and use changed, there need to be uh, fully covered uh, with the land use and land use change, uh, freshwater ecosystem use and change, and marine ecosystem use and change. For the resource exploitation, the companies need to uh, address water use and also other resources like minerals, fish, other animals, etc. For climate change, they need to uh, address GHG emissions. And for pollutions, they need to address water pollutants and soil pollutants, but not, for example, uh, the solid waste. And for the the invasive species are not uh, covered by by this version of the, uh, the SBTN. So all this, it would need to be covered for the steps of assessment and prioritization, but some parts are not yet uh, covered uh, for the step of target setting, uh, namely the freshwater ecosystem use and change, the marine ecosystem use and change, and the other resources used are still not covered in version one of SBTN and will be covered in uh, a second version. Carolyn, what does the SBTN mean for a company? What are some of the benefits and limitations of the framework? So much like climate, until companies start setting targets and report on their progress towards those targets publicly in their transition plans, investors and other stakeholders will not be able to hold companies to account for their impacts on biodiversity. The SPTNs are grounded in robust, best available science and give companies the necessary guardrails to know they are taking enough of the right actions in the right places, measure the right indicators at the right time across their value chains, beginning with their direct operations and upstream activities. This provides companies with the benefit of confidently addressing their most urgent impacts and credibly prioritize and communicate how the resources they are investing have a lasting impact to move in the right direction and contribute towards staying within the planetary boundaries. Nature is, of course, much more complex than reporting on climate. KPMG's recent global sustainability survey found that less than half of the world's largest organizations are currently explicitly reporting on biodiversity commitments. There is, of course, still a lot of learning needed for companies to become fluent in nature impacts outside of carbon. And now is a great time to begin. Companies that start this work early can also better and more gradually align with existing and emerging nature-related corporate disclosures, such as the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures, and getting ahead of the curve. Companies will have different impacts, dependencies, and targets depending on the nature of their business and the industry sector they operate in. So there is no one overarching nature target as there is for climate. And we can expect that there will be separate targets for freshwater use, pollution, land use change, climate change, and so on. The SPTN framework is still a work in progress, and it's not expected to be completed by 2025. So watch this space. And given the complexity of nature I've just touched upon, another benefit worth highlighting is that the SBTN are taking a consolidated approach and are designed to recognize the interconnectedness of issues areas. Eventually, 
the SPTIs would allow companies to take action on multiple issues across nature, climate and social equity in an efficient and effective manner. Ultimately, this will allow companies to make better, more nature-smart decisions and build greater resilience and mitigate risks. So, in addition to what Caroline has highlighted, uh, there are several benefits of, of having such a framework as the SBTN. Initially, uh, as previously mentioned, um, one of the main benefits that we have now is that we are trying to maximize synergies between reporting frameworks in different parts of the world so that different companies in different types of maturity in terms of this big topic that is nature can start the journey. The second benefit that we can also highlight is the fact that if this is answering to the growing needs of investors to address the impacts that uh, companies have on biodiversity and nature, but also about the dependencies that companies have on natural resources. And it's important to highlight also that the, the benefit of a holistic approach, the holistic approach of SBTN is giving us the opportunity to address the wider scope of what uh, nature entails, but also allows us to look at the geographic scope. So where are these impacts and dependencies coming from, but also from a value chain perspective. So where within upstream, downstream or own operations, we should be moving forward. Excellent. Fiorella, where should organizations start on their SBTN journey? It's very important to clarify that it's a journey. It's a, it's a process that it has its complexities. There would be a lot of questions, but that doesn't mean that companies in different uh, levels of maturity on what biodiversity in nature means for them and for their sector shouldn't engage. And the SBTN, now with the tools that uh, Stefan has mentioned already, and with the guidelines, technical guidelines that have been released, gives us a good starting point for companies not to go through all the steps altogether, but start um, understanding what it means for them. And the first step to take is within the step one, assess, assessing of impacts and dependencies. It's a materiality screening. And this, the, the SBTN has defined a list of data requirements, let's say so, that companies should have to, or, or ideally uh, have to start a journey. But of course, there, at this stage of, of, of where we are as a market, there are data gaps in all companies. So the good news in here is that we can start a materiality screening with best available data and understanding from a sector perspective, if there is no information at a company perspective, which would be the high level impacts and dependencies and where they should be addressed in the value chain early on. So this for the materiality screening, where as uh, uh, Stefan mentioned, we have a, a materiality tool available and in open source, also for the value chain assessment, which are the two steps uh, within the first step of the of the SBTN framework. Just by to conducting this uh, phase, companies are already starting a journey, a journey not only of defining and understanding, uh, but also about understanding gaps of, collect, of, of data collection, which is very important to, to start early on. So the message here, of, of course, we can follow up into how to conduct an app prioritization, but the message that I would like for it to come across is that 
companies can start already uh, working on the first steps and understanding this uh, without having all the certainties and all the data availability uh, since the beginning. Because this is a journey, a journey that most companies, even the most mature ones, are, are having and um, and will be a journey moving forward as the nature topic in the, for, for the private sector and for cities, it's, uh, it's evolving day by day. Stefan, what are some of the complexities in measuring biodiversity and nature targets? And what are some of the methods used for measurement? Compared to climate, there is some additional complexity in uh, addressing biodiversity. The reason is, first, the impacts on biodiversity can be global and local. Uh, for example, if you release some plastics uh, that end up as microplastics in the oceans or as microplastics, the impact will be kind of global at the, the level of the, uh, the ocean. But if you are responsible directly or indirectly for deforestation, for erosion of, uh, of biodiversity, for the, the threatening of some species, all this uh, life that is damaged is damaged somewhere. So you have to get a geographical mindset and some geographical data that are associated to your screening of your uh, materiality and your screening of your impacts. And it is required in the target setting that you, you uh, define the, the scope uh, of your targets, so uh, that you define the zone that is impacted. The second source of complexity is that uh, unlike climate, when you just have to look at the emissions of uh, greenhouse gases, you have to tackle all the pressures on biodiversity. And uh, there are four among the five pressures that are required to be covered by the, the SBTN. So you have to cover, of course, climate change, but also uh, ecosystem use and change, uh, resource exploitation and pollutions. So the variety of uh, the, the impact that you have to and the pressures that you have to address is uh, more important. So you can either go through tools uh, that are that are giving a, a global footprint like uh, the CBF, the corporate biodiversity footprints, like the global biodiversity score, and add on some uh, geographic specifications, or you can go not through uh, global footprint metrics, but go uh, directly through the five uh, pressures or the first four of them as far as the, the SBTN is concerned. There are a, a wide variety of tools that are available now. Uh, you have the, the global footprint tools like the, the CBF and the, the GBS, but you have also a lot of tools that are developed by uh, different startups that kind or different firms that are not so much startups uh, anymore and that are already some unicorns. For example, to screen the impacts on ecosystems through satellite imaging, through uh, genetic soil analysis, uh, there are even solutions solutions that allows to assess the, um, the different species that are present on a location 
based on sound recordings. There are solutions that are based on, for example, on beat. You have some startups that uh, put beat on uh, locations, and this gives information by analyzing the pollen about what are the different vegetable species that are present and what are also the pollutants that are present. So depending on what is the degree of maturity of the firm, uh, there are different granularity of tools that are available uh, from rough, uh, rough evaluation and, and screening tool to very, very precise characterization of the of the ecosystems through, uh, through a variety of means. To add to, the, to what uh, you are saying, Stefan, I think uh, the message is also that there's no one size fits all at this stage in mm. terms of measurements, but we have several different types that will serve different purposes that are co company specific and location specific. So it's, um, yeah, it's the current status of how, how we have, uh, yeah, the measurement uh, status mm. at the moment. And what, what is helping here is uh, the way the SBTN are organized. It's organized like a, a funnel that helps the, the companies to have some global screening and assessments and to progressively narrow down towards the pressures, the locations, the parts of their value chain that have the, the biggest impact. So uh, once they have narrowed it down, they can focus the, the measurements uh, and, and get some more precise measurements through all the tools that we have uh, mentioned, focused on really the parts that count. Listeners are likely wondering how the SBTN framework relates to other nature-related frameworks, such as the Global Biodiversity Framework and the TNFD. Carolyn, can you shed some light on this? The agreement of the UN Global Biodiversity Framework at COP15, we are starting to see the building blocks of nature policy emerging. Nations are beginning to create plans to meet those 23 action-oriented targets, and specifically target 15 of the Global Biodiversity Framework aims to ensure that large and transnational companies and financial institutions monitor, assess and disclose their nature-related impact dependencies and risks in their operations, value chains and across their portfolios by 2030. The SBTN and TNFD share the same vision of the GBF and are both encouraging organizations to get ahead of the curve and start their journey towards nature positive. The SBTN is a knowledge partner to the TNFD, which is creating an integrated framework for organizations to manage and disclose their impacts, dependencies, risks and opportunities on nature. Specifically, the TNFD PETA framework has also adopted the SBTN's definitions of impact and dependencies on nature, and that actually shows a great foundational and methodological alignment between both initiatives. One key output of this collaboration between TNFD and SPTN is, of course, the joint target setting guidance developed as part of the TNFD's version 0.3 beta release. And the goal is really to have as integrated an approach as possible for companies. And setting targets to manage impacts on nature, including avoiding and reducing negative impacts, as well as increasing positive impacts through restoration and regeneration is a key component of the TNFD. 
The SBTN target setting methods generate data and analytical outputs that help corporates apply part of the TNFD's LEAP approach for nature-related risks and opportunities assessment. And conversely, applying the TNFD LEAP approach can help corporates generate data needed to set science-based targets for nature. Where existing guidance, methods, and standards exist, the TNFD Better Framework integrates these instead of developing new approaches. Therefore, to set targets for impacts on nature, the TNFD Framework recommends that corporates use the SBTN methods and the SBTN five-step approach. The scope of the TNFD Better Framework includes target setting beyond the current SBTN methods including targets for use by financial institutions, downstream value chains, impacts on nature that cover the atmosphere realm, including air quality, dependency on nature, and nature-related risks and opportunities. So obviously both the TNFD and the SPTN are still a work in progress, but both frameworks and organizations are working to align these further to make them easier and more efficient to use. So we can expect to see further guidance to be released covering these areas, as well as transition plans in the future to reflect the latest science, analytics and technology. To wrap up, Fiorella, how does the SBTN relate to the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive and European Sustainability Reporting Standards Disclosures for Biodiversity? Yeah, that's a very good question because, of course, the sustainability, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, the CSID, is a, an important, very, very relevant issue for all companies operating in Europe moving forward. And there's several synergies, not only with ESRS E4, which is biodiversity, the disclosure on biodiversity, but there's also synergies with, with the ESRS E1, which is climate change, ESRS E2, pollution, ESRS E3, water. As you can see, there is an alignment between the topics that we are that are part of the SBTN and the topics that companies will have to disclose on their ESRS, so the European Sustainability Reporting Standards moving forward. Most specifically, I think the, the synergies, apart from the topics, apart of, of, of the categories, categorization, also relates to, to the fact that the ESRS and the CSRD are leaving as a recommendation to use science-based targets and other types of initiatives to define the company's strategy on, on each of these topics, to setting targets, to setting actions. So there we see that it is a possibility to, to use the SBTN through the act, prioritize all the way into monitoring as a framework for ESRS disclosures. And at the same time, the ESRS is giving us a framework of disclosure requirements on the level of detail that the company would have to take into consideration for for a full yeah, compliance and, and reporting on, on SBTN. So let's say that SBTN is a complementary tool uh, and it's an enabler for the ultimate goal of, of the CSRD that is reporting. But of course, reporting is it's the, it's the face of saying all that has to happen before 
which uh, for people that have been um, already reading through the CSRD and the ISRS, there's a lot of detail, a lot of uh, actions that have to happen on each of these requirements prior to reporting. Just to sum up, there is synergies, definitely, SBTN as well as as uh, TNFD, as Caroline uh, had uh, discussed previously, are enablers, are frameworks that are helping the corporate sustainability reporting directive uh, advance in the sustainability reporting agenda. Stefan, Fiorella and Carolyn, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. You've given our listeners a lot to think about and we look forward to hearing more about what we discuss today in future podcasts. Join us again next time for more insights from ESG leaders and innovators. You can also find our latest insights covering a range of ESG topics by visiting kpmg.com forward slash ESG. Thanks for listening.